to Mr. V's Literally Just Airplanes. And tonight we're going to be talking about one of the coolest parts of the aircraft, in my opinion, the wings. Yes, wings cause lift, they create lift, they create drag, they do a lot. But there's so many different designs I'd like to talk to you tonight about, and I can't wait to tell you guys more about it. Tune in tonight to learn more. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. There's a lot to go on with this. You can make money from your podcast, no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Remember, your podcast journey starts here. Hey everyone, and welcome to Mr. V's Literally Just Airplanes podcast. As stated in the intro video, I'm going to talk to you guys about wings. And first we're going to talk about the basics of an annual aircraft wing. Whether it's the wingtip from the ribs, the spar, some in integral fuel tanks, like I said, the spar, the skin, the wing flap, the aileron, and the stringers. All of these components make up a standard aircraft wing. There's so many different terminology points. There's so many different terms. There's so many, so many different physics terms that come to wings. I might not be able to cover it all tonight, but I'm going to cover the main key points and the things that I really like to talk about, whether it's really just about uh, aircraft wings or just dynamics and demos per se. So the one wing that everyone really knows the most about is the regular, regular style with flaps. With flap track fairings and such, based off the Boeing 737. Now, the 737 has some really cool ideas and engineering involved into it, especially with aluminum ribs, aluminum arrowhead TE ribs, and aluminum tips. And most of them have the are made of composites, and the older ones are made of fabric, wood, or even metal. The 737 has so many parts onto it that if you if you actually just look at the aircraft in general, you wouldn't even understand that there's so many systems just let alone on the wing than any other part of the, the entire aircraft. After looking at this diagram, which I will also put in the link itself, there are different parts of the ribs and areas that can be added that just they're they're mind blowing. You know, on the on the one of the base model 737s, and this in this actually in its entirety is the 737 Max, is wings, had water tanks, had nose ribs, and it had boundaries to indicate basically where the the fuel tanks would be laid, and these boundaries are only labeled in the the data from the engineers. So when the engineers drew out these, they had they added the spars and they added the ribs, but they also had these, these square rectangular looking boundaries right in front of where the slats would be. And they also had these nose ribs to each part of it to sustain more suspension and weight reduction. But there's so many different spots of this aircraft 
the 737 in general that just blow my mind. And after flying on one from um, Chicago to Orlando and Orlando back to Chicago, there's so many different parts of the aircraft that, you know, you're automatically like, what are these? But on, on my short flight from Orlando to Chicago, we experienced heavy turbulence. And I don't know if anyone here has ever been on an aircraft with turbulence. The wings tend to bounce. They tend to shake. They tend to flex is the proper word for it is. They flex because they there's so much weight attached to it and the amount of turbulence and updraft and downdraft play so much on what is called an airfoil. Yes, an airfoil is anything that, that creates lift or creates amount of pressure and drag. So basically, a propeller is an airfoil. A horizontal stabilizer is an airfoil. A rudder is an airfoil. And, of course, the wings are an airfoil. There are so many different pictures of the 737 that I can go through, but like, like I'm talking about tonight, it's just about the wings. The wings have so many parts to it. The wings itself have the wings itself for the 737 have so many different areas and balance parts to it that just fascinate me. So if you look at the design of a 737, it is designed as a 1341 square foot wing. So when you have the wing equal to the horizontal stabilizer, it is almost three quarters more than the horizontal stabilizer in size. The fuselage width itself is about 12 by 4. And yes, that's 12 feet by 4 inches. And the wing itself, the cord is 18 feet, but the basic part of the cord is at 25 feet. So yes, the wing, the wing length is not as big as some airplanes, but it still has a very interesting type of terminology towards it. The last thing I'm going to discuss about the 737 wing, especially troubleshooting, is there's so many different materials that go into this wing. And especially if you've taken a wing class or a composites or sheet metal or, or even just a wood class, you learn that these materials have their strengths and have their weaknesses, depending on weather or scientific um, uses, per se, if you're doing testing or if you're doing even physical testing where you're, you're beating the living crap out of them. So the, the main thing that about the 737 horizontal stabilizer, yes, this is technically not a wing, but it is still an airfoil. The horizontal stabilizer of a 737 has ribs. It has inboard closure ribs. It has fixed leading edge onto it, which makes this really cool because you have the fixed part of the leading edge, which is towards the inboard part of the, the horizontal stabilizer. And then you have a removable leading edge that comes off itself. So you can do repairs on the inside of the spar if, you, if need be to the horizontal stabilizer. The outboard closure rib is also on the towards the out part. So you have a fixed outdoor closure rib that will be at, towards the outside of it, usually with electronics and the, the lights and so forth and so on and so forth. Of course, then you have the trailing edge of the rib. You have the rear spar and the trailing edge beam that holds the rib in general. That itself will hold on to the elevator and creating the, the lift going up and going down. The inspar rib is actually one of the main courses of holding on and keeping the structure intact behind the horizontal stabilizer. It's kind of hard to explain voice, but I'll post the, this picture as well in the link. 
So basically, the inspar rib of the aircraft is basically the the bone of the wing. It holds. It's like a rib in your body. It protects the main parts of the aircraft's structural integrity. It goes from point A to point B. They're all different sizes when it comes to towards the outboard part and the inboard part. The inboard closure rib basically controls the flex and it controls the amount of weight coming onto it because the weight is going to get higher the farther out it goes because of the amount of air pressure and wind pressure onto it. Then you also have a part that controls the amount of lift and controls the weight reduction, which is the fiberglass trailing edge panel. Now, this is pretty interesting, especially since I haven't really known about this because I've learning about composites and stuff you don't really learn about. I've always been used to aluminum and some other parts, but fiberglass trailing edge really brings down the weight and creates more lift in the back, which then the air ends up going over the fixed leading edge, creating more lift in the back, especially with an aluminum front. So that aircraft has a lot of terminology that we can go more into depth and do more episodes like different composite materials and more of the aircraft itself. But tonight, like I said, I'm going over wings. And the 737 is one wing that just fascinates me. Another wing that really fascinates me is, of course, on the largest aircraft ever made, the Antonov-225. Now, the Antonov-225 has an anhedral wing, which means that it's one size over the top of the fuselage, creating more downdraft than updraft. There are so many moving parts in this aircraft that it, it literally just it takes the breath out of you when, you when you look at it. Yes, I've never seen one in person, but watching videos, this aircraft has so many different moving parts and systems that the wings are just are huge. And... There's so, like I said on the 737, there's so many different materials that are used on this aircraft. But I think the main thing with this, with this beautiful beast is that it has the longest wingspan as of right now for, for civil aviation. So the overall length of an Antonov 225's wingspan is 84 meters. There are different types of spoilers. There's inboard flaps. There's outboard flaps. There are different types of slack components. And there are wing holders. Now, these wing holders keep the amount of weight over the top of the wings. So, this type of wing design itself is forwarded towards the front of the fuselage, but over the fuselage. So, if you ever look at a picture of a C5, a C5 is also an anhedral design. The Antonov and the C5 are both cargo planes, so they have to have a lot of weight in the center. So, with that, putting, wing, putting the wings underneath the fuselage or in the middle of the fuselage counteracts with too much weight there with the engines. So when you put the wings on the top, you want to give it the amount of space for loads. With the amount of space for loads comes greater lift, but also comes greater downforce. So when you see an Antonov 225 compared to a standard Airbus A320, it has almost 33 meter difference to it, which is remarkable in itself. It's huge. So when you look at an Antonov 225, the max payload is about 230 tons. The takeoff weight, although the new model that was re reproduced, since there's only one flyable model, is up to 650, pound, 650 tons of takeoff weight. So when you're coming with the, end, the, the wings, these wings have to produce so much lift to lift this mammoth beast. So with the height of 18 meters and length of 84 meters, this wingspan is at 88.4 meters. 
this is just one of those aircraft that is just mind-blowing. And the wings itself blow your mind, especially since there's not that many diagrams for the wing and the different parts of it. Another aircraft that I always... So we're going to go back in time. We're going to go towards the early ages of military aviation. And we're going to go towards the the B-17 wing design. Now, the B-17's wing design is a standard length type wing. And this wing had a, con had a control with different types of with engines. Now, the B-17 wing, most of the time, had different types of weight restri restrictions, especially when it had hold an exhaust manifold, a supercharger, and an engine, four engines on it as well. So when you see a B-17, you want to you the first thing that pops in your head is the spar construction. Now the spar the spar the spar construction on World War II aircraft usually had a truss wing spar construction, which is fascinating to look at. The B-17, the B-24, and most of all the aircraft used in World War II, which had heavy bombers, used the truss wing spar construction, which basically had different points had AB points from a stretch, and it used from the leading edge to the trailing edge, it had these little tiny wire-type members. So there were little type tubings. There were little aluminum alloy tubings. They would cross these braces all the way around. Now, you'd think aluminum alloy tubing, that, that wouldn't create very safe construction. Yes, you know, it, it did have its flaws, it, especially getting shot in battle or, you know, different types of uses. But when it came to the the, the huge size bombers, especially the the B-17s and the Yonker Ju-52s, they had to contribute to more lift because of the amount of passengers, cargo, and all all such. So this truss wing spar construction is one of the unique designs for wings, especially since they use aluminum alloy tube bracing instead of actual ribs, solid ribs. They used actual tubing to go between them. Now, when we go to the wings, the stabilizer of the B-17 had its really nice main spar, which was just one giant, two giant main spars that would cross in, in front. The ribs would go up in front, different sizes, but they all had the same construction with the, the holes and the I-beam constructions. The stringers, are had they were very dural angle suctions. Now, the hinge points of the elevators played a huge role, especially since they were mounted on with, with hinge points. So each hinge point had a different spot for the elevator hinge itself and the elevator hang on to. So looking at the different types of airfoils of the B-17 and just looking in general of it, they had different models. They had, they of course had different models. They, they went through different um, techni technical periods and stuff like that. But the inboard wing structure of the B-17 had to have a, such a, a durable amount of, of force to it especially since this is one of the first aircraft to use flex with the heavy engines that they had. The front spar and the leading edge of this aircraft did not have slats. This aircraft did not have wing slats. Yes, they did have bulkheads, especially the bulkheads had to go around the engines itself to maintain the amount of weight. The trailing edge on this aircraft, definitely like standard aircraft, went lower in size towards the back. Another terminology that's, that's well known for this is the aircraft had so much it went from size down. So the, the bigger towards the front, and then it went down towards the size to protrude with the flaps and the ailerons. 
So when you look at a standard B-17 wing panel, there's another picture that I'm going to post on the uh, channel as well that had a truss-type front spar. And the truss-type front spar used truss-type bindings inside. They used little tiny tubes, but they're not tubes. They're little angle points. They were trapezo trapezoidal in size that would be able to stretch on different types of weather, weather and strength tensions. So when the, when the aircraft turned or rolled, the skin would actually would constrict itself and then open up. And it wouldn't be for the weather aspect, it'd be for the weight aspect. So when you add on to di the different sizes of aircraft, the truss-type ribs were very, well, were very well used. And the stiffeners inside would actually stiffen, would stiffen the aircraft on purpose so the wing could actually stretch and flex as much as it can. Now, this is one of the coolest designs I've ever seen because if you look inside of it, it has little tubes that are used to hold down the, the ribs. There were not, like said before, there were not solid ribs on the inside. They were used, they were used tubes. So the aluminum tubes would go up to the actual the ribs, connect the ribs to the stiffeners. The spars were little compared to the spars you see now. The spars then would be connected to these these stiffeners that would stiff that would stiffen and elongate as the aircraft lifted and lowered. It's just so fascinating to see that, especially part of a marvelous marvel of an aircraft such as the B-17. So now if we look at a standard wing spar of a Cessna per se, the Cessna has a carry-through spar and a wing attachment lug. So when you attach the wings, you have a nice, a nice wing attachment lug where you put a lug through it and you attach it to the wing itself. The carry-through spar is basically one giant spar that connects to the both sides of the wing attachments. So you have one wing attachment that has one lug side and the other side has one wing attachment. It's a very, very important part to know and always check for inspection for corrosion or any type of metal damage. If that part is damaged in aircraft, that aircraft is unairworthy and it has to be grounded. When you look at damages on these aircraft, a lot of the wings are the main parts of destruction. If the wing is any type of brittle or any type of has any type of corrosion or exfoliation or paint damage or any of that, you need to check it out and make sure it is flyable. There's so many different parts of wings that can be that can be used for that can be taken off and replaced. And especially when it comes to general aviation, it is definitely, definitely should be replaced all the time. So when it comes to the different types of wings, like stated before, there's so many different parts. You have the spar fittings, you have the spar caps, you have the ribs, you have the stringers, you have the bulkheads, you have so much. And they all have to deal with aerodynamics and airfoilness. Without the actual use of wings, the aircraft would not fly. It would literally just be a super fast car. So when you see an aircraft wing, always remember that it creates lift, but also can create drag. So when you're looking at different types of wings, you, get, you need to know the different terminology and the terms. So when you look at a wing, there are different types of, different types of wing designs. First, you have the rectangular straight wing, the tapered straight wing, the rounded or elliptical straight wing, the slightly swept wing, moderately swept wing, the highly swept wing, the simple delta wing, and the complex delta wing. Now, when you think of delta wings, all these wing designs are all 
getting longer. They're getting shorter, but they're also getting fatter and longer to create more of a V-shape to create more aerodynamics and speed. Like these, the F-86 Sabre, which has a highly swept wing, and then you go to a P-51 Mustang, which has a different type of tapered straight wing, or a Spitfire, which uses a rounder elliptical straight wing to create aerodynamics and speed. These all use different types of materials, but they all have almost the same amounts of flight controls, like the ailerons, the flaps, and slats. When you have those all together, you create you create a wing, basically, on the outs- the exterior part of the wing. Of course, some wings have, have integral fuel tanks and all that. But when it comes to stretch and, all, and the stretch in different parts of the aircraft, the aircraft has to stretch, especially if some of them have fuel and wires inside of it. So each wing is different. So basically, when you, when you, to, sum, to summarize this episode, there are so many different parts of the wing that, that are fascinating to look at. There's so many different parts. I can go so in-depth with this conversation on wings that it can take even hours. But there's so many different things you can look into it in wings. My favorite wing design and my favorite wing on an airplane would definitely be the Antonov 225. Such a massive type of wing that droops down. still has a mild swept back as well, but it droops down to have so much aerodynamic lift that it can lift this monster of an aircraft up in the air. So basically with that, I'm going to end this episode tonight. The next episode I probably will start discussing will have to be either on engines or a different type of aircraft. I'm not sure yet because there's so many different things you can go into this. But I'm going to leave it up to myself and possibly my viewers if they want to know which I would like to do first. You guys all have a great night and enjoy your wonderful night.